0: Hey everybody. Welcome back to The Pixelist. I'm Will, and don't worry, Blake's here, too. We just had a couple of technical difficulties at the very start of the podcast, so I needed to re-record the intro. So I'm just going to hit you with a couple of announcements, and then we will launch into the podcast proper. Uh, So first and foremost, I just wanted to let everybody know that the final episode breakdown for Season 2 of The Legend of Vox Machina is now up on the channel. Thank you guys so much for all the love you have shown that content over the past month. And thank you to all the new subscribers that may be checking out our podcast for the first time. Really great to have you on board. Uh, Campaign 3 is really heating up. Um, On that note uh, of new subscribers, we are getting really close to 5,000. And once we hit 5,000, we are going to be doing a giveaway. We're still trying to figure out exactly what we want to give away, um, but it may be a copy of Tal'Doy Reborn but stay tuned to the channel. Once we hit 5k, we will be putting out more information on that. Other than that, if this is your first time checking out our channel, we like to recap each and every episode of Critical Role before we dive into our deep discussion and theorycraft portion, just to catch everybody up. And especially in the case of an episode like this, where it's five hours long, we feel like it's good to have a little bit of a refresher before diving in. So, If you're on that recap video and you want to see our full discussion, it will be linked down in the description below. Now, in this case, we did have some technical difficulties. So when I switch on over to the podcast, you're going to miss like the first 30 seconds of Blake starting the recap. But all you missed was him basically saying that Bell's Hells is on the Silver Sun airship and they are on this long journey headed to the Tishtan excavation site for the Apogee Solstice.
1: But basically, as they're heading their way, uh, they're pretty much going through the list of just desperation of who can we call? Like, we are definitely swinging out of our league. Like, we need to find people who can help us. So over the next few days, they're going to be contacting several people, being like, hey, is there any way you can help us? So um, having said that, uh, they do reach out to uh, Ira Windigoth, and just, just to see if they can, you know, bring in some the chaos factor and just see if, if Ira would be interested. They let Ira know that they destroyed the Malleus Key in the Feywild. And Ira's pretty much like, okay, I'm listening. I'm really curious about this. And basically says, hey, we're... They say, hey, we're heading to the next one at, at the uh, Tishtan excavation site. You want to come hang? And he's like, let's come talk. Come to Basra's to the site you know, a few hours outside, uh, back with Fern's parents. That's where I'm hanging out. Uh, come see me. And they're like, okay, so let's head to Bacaras. Uh, they also, since they're heading that way, they reached out to Imahara Joe and they're like, Hey, can you build us a bomb, but bigger? And he's kind of like, uh, it's going to take a while. I don't know if I can do something like that. Um, and then separate from that, uh, they also are going to call out to, uh, Milo who's Ashton's friend, uh, Ebenold Kai, who they find out is stranded in the Fire Realm with, um, nice. since Plane Rider Rin has no means of actually taking, getting them out of her domain. Uh, they reach out to Dorian, actually a couple times to Dorian, uh, but Orm reaches out to Dorian and is basically like, hey, um, is there any way you can you can help? Um, and Dorian's like, hey, we have problems of our own. Opal, in fact, this episode had a lot of callbacks to EXU, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about in the episode. But Opal, who's wearing a vestige of Divergence, um, the crown of Lulph, uh, basically Orm, uh, Dorian says, hey, she's been getting really dark lately. Like, we have a lot going on here. Um, and so we're not, I'm probably not able to come help. Um, other than that, uh, Chetney throughout these Several days of travel, you can just know that Chetney's going to be really hung up on the sinkholes that are on the map uh, of this area that Matt had provided several episodes earlier. And pretty much every chance he gets, he's going to be thinking about some kind of plan with the sinkholes. Um, Every character they run into, he's going to ask them about the sinkholes (laughs) and is really honed in. You think I'm joking, but through five hours, I think he mentions it six or seven times about... (laughs) You know, really honing in on this um, sinkhole plan. Uh, more time goes on. They decide, okay, we might even need Liliana on our side. And so they decide to reach out to Liliana and hope that maybe she's sleeping. And if she is sleeping, maybe they can kind of get her alone uh, outside of the view of Adahan to possibly convince her to join up with them. So Imogen scries on her. Um, I don't know if that's what you'd actually call That's kind of what I've been describing it as. Basically, scries on her in her dream. And Liliana's kind of like, What's going on? Like, what's happening? And realizes that Imogen is reaching out. Um, Imogen is basically like, You know, mom, what you doing? Why are you trying to destroy the world? And Liliana, we get sort of the first look at her motivation, uh, which is basically like, You don't understand what's going on here. I'm freeing all of us. I'm freeing all of us from like the bondage of basically fate like what the gods the lives the gods have dictated for us um and that's a really good thing um after this dream uh the party and really this is a theme through the episode the party talks a lot about maybe freeing Pradanthos is a good thing maybe the ruby vanguard isn't that bad and we get this line from oram who's like oh that's great i wish my whole family didn't have to die for you know, this plan to happen. Yeah. and Imogen's like, oh, right. I forgot that all your friends are dead. So, uh, right, right. They're the bad guys. My bad. Um, there's also a nice little bit with FCG uh, continuing to rely on the Changebringer and basically asks Chain- Changebringer, um, you know, not, not all the gods are bad. Like, Changebringer, you're good, right? And, like, flips a coin and says, like, you're not good? And then basically says, like, should I trust you or something like that? And flips it and says, no. And he's like... Oh my gosh, oh he's like really having some issues. Um, another one of the evenings, the, the party's kind of settled down. Ladna and uh, Ashton have this great one-to-one. It's it's very similar to the one-on-one they had back during the dust storm when they were in Basaras yeah, yeah. before the encounter with the Paragon's Call. And there's just an amazing conversation. Um, Ladna really kind of like... Pokes and prods at his rocky exterior, pun intended. Um, and is kind of like, what's going on with you? What's happening? What's up with that, that Hishari mask that you keep? And Ashton basically says, this is all I really, I'm, I'm linked to it in some way. And he admits that the only reason he stayed with the party was because when Orem was described as an Ashari, he thought they said Hishari <laughs> and he's been following them <laughs> uh, not ever since, but that was like the original reason for it. Um, but then there was this amazing, amazing question where as Ashton's getting a little drunk, he says, "Ladna, when you died and you woke up and we were all there, what did it feel like to have all of your friends there Oof. calling back to when he woke up and he had been abandoned by his friends, friends, the nobodies. Um, and Ladna basically said, you know, it was the greatest, it was the greatest feeling because it wasn't like that the first time she woke up. So um just a really great conversation. So uh the last little detail before we cut to break is Orem and Fern have a conversation that's basically like hey i am kind of worried about image and flipping sides and uh, I think Orim basically says hey if that happens Fern it's going to have to be you. And Fern's like yeah. Me? And he's like going to have to be you to take out Imogen and it was kind of funny just seeing the party or just like Laura Bailey just kind of being like are you guys serious right now (laughs) anywho um all that to say that's the first half we cut to break and then we'll why don't you take it from there
0: yes sir and again five hour episode I'm gonna do my best to be brief but there's a lot here so when we pick back up after the break we're told Matt tells us that it's 10 days until the solstice and as you know we're all traveling so Uh, Every day somebody new is going to roll for like the travel conditions.
1: And can you mention also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just the state of like the Aurora. That was like a main thing that I forgot about, but maybe you can plug that in as well. So Uh, like while they're traveling,
0: they can physically see like the magical ley lines of Exandria, like converging on this nexus point, uh, which we know to be the Tishtan excavation site. So like the closer they get, it's i kind of imagined it like the aurora borealis like the northern yeah. lights kind of but right. they can like physically see it and um a bit more on that in a second uh but so ladna is the first one to roll for this day of travel and she rolls an 11 and basically travels uneventful like it's a fine day they travel at a normal pace um fcg you know blake mentioned was was flipping the coin asking these questions and being kind of disturbed by the answers They have seemingly come to peace with that by saying that, you know, God's work in mysterious ways. So that's why the change bringer was giving me those answers. Um, So, again, they're messaging people on the travel. And so the next person they decide to message is Pike, um, since she, you know, would probably want to protect the gods, seeing as she, you know, is this holy person that serves the Everlight. So FCG messages Pike, gives Pike the scoop. And Pike says, like, oh, like, that's a lot. Um, Let me look into that and get back to you. Um, Imogen then messages Janna Hexum at the behest of Ashton and asks her for contacts in Basaros, um, basically, you know, saying they need weapons, they need supplies, like who, who should they talk to? And she says, drop my name to Eunice. So the next day, day nine, um, or nine days till the solstice, rather FCG rolls a 19. So it's another pretty easy travel day. Fern and Ashton start to learn from Captain Zandis about how to pilot the ship, just because they think it would be good to have you know some people in the party that know what to do should the circumstance arrives. Um, Imogen messages Morgan asking you know her for help and and if they know how, and if she knows how to depetrify somebody, referring to plane uh, rider Wren. Morgan responds that she's recovering from an injury, um, but honestly she's most powerful in her home anyway, so she'll be watching and she'll help. In any way she can, um, and that yes, there are indeed ways to like remove petrification. FCG then messages Dancer and warns them to stay safe, but does not get a response. Um, and then, at the behest of Imogen, FCG reaches out to this mysterious D, who is the person that he was told sold him to Dancer originally. Um, this actually works just based on the description of D. He is able to connect with the message. Um, and FCG asks like, Hey, like, where'd you find me? Are there more people like me? And D says that, Oh, this is a wonderful surprise to hear from you. Um, this is my gift to you, like to put you back on the path. Now, you know, your future is your own. Um, and D just says like, I pulled you from the wreckage and yes, there are more of you and more to come. So we then skip ahead to seven days until the solstice basically, and Fern rolls for the travel and gets a nap one. So Matt has her then roll a D6 and she gets a three. And he basically describes this massive like wall of dust, this dust storm approaching them. And essentially what it is, is the party has to, I think, reach three successes before they reach um, two or three failures for this weather encounter. And that will determine if they're they're successful or they fail. Um, Unfortunately, they fail. So the mast of the ship breaks and they ultimately lose a day of travel. Um Orem messages Dorian again with the sending stone and asks, "Hey, can you guys see the ley lines like we can um where you are?" And Dorian says, "Yes, uh we can, but don't really have time to take in the beauty of it cuz things are pretty tense right now." And Fern wonders, "Yeah, I wonder like if this is affecting Opal." And the rest of the party's like, "Who's Opal?" So they quickly explain that, you know, she's just a friend of theirs. Uh, then Imogen messages the Callaways and Ira and basically lets them know, Hey, we're almost to, to you guys. So, you know, be ready and that they'll be coming to the Calloway hideaway. On the next day, Imogen rolls for the weather, gets an 18. So it's pretty calm. They make it to the hideaway. Fern, you know, greets her parents. Uh, Hondier is there and Ira is there as well. Messing with the, you know, mini Malleus key in the back. And they basically have a quick conversation with Ira asking like, you know, why do you hold a grudge? And he's like, well, Ludness hired me to build that first machine and then they kicked me out. So I will gladly help, you know, mess with them now. And they're like, what exactly is, does the machine do that you designed? And he said that Ludness just said he wanted a, a channeling device, something that could gather energy um, initially to make an anchor and then an accelerant. And he's like, that one in the Feywild was the very first one. So then um, he actually gets FCG and has him look into the telescope device. And it's pointed at the excavation site. And he can see that like there's a lot of activity there. Paragon's Call is there. The Ruby Vanguard is there. The robots that are quasi-Aormaton um, are there. And then the vision in the telescope goes black. And Ira explains that every minute on the minute, there's like an anti-magic dispel pulse that goes out kind of as a defense mechanism. So Fern then oh, quickly mentions that, hey, you know, Morgan says hi. And Ira's like, well, tell her I said hi. And um, then the party basically divides and conquers for their tasks here. Ladna and Chetney are going to stay and repair the boat. Um, Orem, Imogen, and Ashton are going to go into town to get the supplies and FCG is going to like load up the bomb that Imaharjo built for them into the ship. So the town crew makes their way into Basaros via a crawler and they go to Eunice's shop. Ashton name drops Hexum and Eunice is like, oh, I've never heard that name before as he kind of walks up to the front door and locks it. And then he's like, follow me. And he leads them to like a secret hidden back door and they do a little bit of shopping, but just to, you know. Be brief with it. They end up spending about 14,000 gold and they get a couple of healing potions and three magical items, um, an item that increases your constitution, an item that basically makes it so like no one can read your mind. And I think like you can't be scried upon was the vibe I got. And then finally, a belt called the belt of momentum that like makes you do like an enhanced melee attack if you like run 25 feet beforehand or, or something like that. So they buy all those things, um, make it back to, uh, the, like everyone reconvenes, uh, and Orem messages Dorian one more time saying that, Hey, things are getting really bad. Uh, you should gather everybody up and head underground until you hear from me again. Dorian says like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that. It's a little hairy on this end. So, uh, now we're at five days to go until the solstice, um, Orym rolls a three for travel. So then he rolls the d6 and gets a one. And Matt describes this new weather that they run into are like these arcane winds, like magically enhanced thanks to like this ley line energy that's going on. So once again, we have another skill versus failure challenge. And here they fail again. Um, And the silver sun actually like kind of crashes into the Hellcatch below. And they lose another day of travel making repairs. Four days to go. Ashton rolls a natural one. And then on his D six rolls a six, <laughs> uh, and it's so sh- bad it was terrible. The they encounter this like I don't know if it's fair to call it a phoenix, but they encounter this very large phoenix esque bird creature.
1: Uses the word phoenix. I'm pretty sure okay. Matt does.
0: And it they, spurts... they fail.
1: Sorry to interrupt you. They no, fail had... the arcana check to like know exactly what it is, but That's he right. says it's like a phoenix like bird.
0: That's right. And so it's attacking them, uh, but quickly, uh, pretty near the start of this encounter, Fern actually cast polymorph to turn it into a goldfish and it, she's successful and it just gets like swept away in the wind. Um, and you know, it only lasts for an hour or if it took damage, it would pop back out, but neither of those things seemingly happen quickly enough and they are able to escape, um, because of it. So they continue the journey three days to go. Chetney rolls a 17 for this day, clear skies, clear sailing. Um, but it's on this day that orem feels like a, a thrumming from his pouch and he finds the seed that was given to him back in EXU by yeah. um, the Tetrarch uh, Thrasker um, is glowing and FCG identifies it as a message bloom. So the party quickly like plant it, it sprouts into this beautiful flower and like as it blooms, uh, a message comes out and it's from Keyleth and I'm just going to read exactly what it is really quick. Um Orem, the cult of the Dark Heart beneath Terra was a challenging maze of dangers for the Ashari. Present, but the Dark Heart behemoth was dealt with and the Rift returned to its controlled state. We lost some good warriors in that fight, but their sacrifice will be remembered and cherished. I message you because I attempted to apprehend Vireo, the head of the Ashari sect of betrayers, but he vanished, shouting, the Vanguard will prevail and the world will finally be free. We couldn't stop him, but given all you've told me and the signs pointing to a connection between these events, it would seem our paths are converging. Please let us know where this vanguard makes its work. Perhaps I can gather those who can recover within the Ashari to help stand against Ludinus and his vanguard. Afterwards, the flower uh, withers away and the seed disappears as well. Imogen messages Keyleth in response, says, hey, we got your message. We are about two days away. Uh, from the Tishkan excavation site, which is where this is going down, and Keyleth responds and says, "Awesome, I will meet you there asap." Two days to go. Ladna rolls a fifteen, so travel is fine. Quiet day. Um, orem and Imogen share a brief conversation where she asks about his tattoo, and is like, "Is it surreal that like you had that tattoo and now like all this is happening?" And Orum's like, "Yeah, it is kind of surreal. Like, you know, who knew?" Um, and then basically the conversation ends with Orum saying like, Hey, you know what? I'm not worried about you. And she's like, are you telling the truth? And he says, I always tell the truth. Um, Imogen then goes to Laudna and they share this uh, really like deep heart to heart moment. Um, it's a
1: great best friend moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great best friend moment.
0: And uh, they basically tell each other how much they mean to one another and how much they love one another. And uh, Imogen calls, Ladna her tether and Lana's like yeah in this life you know in this realm or the next basically um then they go to sleep Bell's Hells gets a long rest awakening to the final day's travel and that's where the episode ends
1: great job Ooh, man long so that's a lot to summarize for sure uh don't go anywhere just yet everybody if you're checking out just the recap click the link to get our full discussion and we want to know what you thought about this episode Having said that, Will, I adored this episode. It was so good, so captivating, and just what I love about Critical roles, some just quality conversation and role play.
0: Yeah, me too. I, you know, with with the episodes being pre-recorded or pre-taped now, um, it's at the at the start of the ep, you can know how long it is, which used to not be the case when it was live. You know, who knew? So when I when I got onto Twitch right when the episode was starting and I saw the little automated message that was like, this episode's five and a half hours long, I was starting to freak out. Cause like usually a long episode means not that something bad happened necessarily, but it usually means like something's going down. Um, so I was very nervous, but uh thankfully nothing bad happened. Um but yeah, I loved the episode as well. It felt very like video game prepping yes. for like the final encounter type of vibe It
1: felt like getting to your final save point. And it's yes, like, do you yes. want to go on? Like, and you talk to all like your favorite characters that you've been like <laughs> brewing relationships with the entire game, making those final conversations. And then you go to that final save point yes. is a hundred percent. What it felt like for me.
0: Yeah, totally, totally on the same page. And uh, yeah, I liked it. You know, we we've said this many a time, but that's, that's our bread and butter those just juicy rp moments and this episode was full of them so
1: i was I, surprised you liked it. i was surprised that so we 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 talked about a few episodes ago hey could we get the apogee solstice by episode 50 and we had some different conversations on this and people were like well there's still a lot of days to go and i think it was it was just two episodes ago that there was two weeks away you yeah. know and so Um, I was wondering like what kind of hijinks could they get into over these next, I was thinking maybe episode 55 at that point, but going through all 12, 13, 14 days in this episode, I was like, bro, we are episode 50, which I love nice little round numbers Mm -hmm. like that. Episode 50 is going to be freaking nuts is what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. Agreed. I I didn't think this was going to work out like this either. And I wonder how much, like, because, uh, like, we we've talked about this before, and I referenced an event in Campaign 2 that was, like, perpetually one month away, and it felt like we never actually got there. So I, even though we were getting close to the solstice, in my mind, I was like, well, you know, for all we know, it could still be 20 episodes away. So the fact that, like, we really just, like you said, cleaved through all that time this episode, I wonder how much of that was, like, I, I, planned isn't the right word, um, but it, they almost kind of, uh, what's the word, I, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to say what I'm saying, but the fact that they were stranded after leaving the Feywild with no Plane Rider in or really no one else to help facilitate their travel, it was almost like there was no other way this could have happened, because they had to get there, and if they're two weeks away, then you know, it is going to just be a travel montage that takes us.
1: I think you got to read your players, like coming up back onto the silver sun, they wanted to head to the excavation site and like call people along the way. I think, I think definitely if someone had like a really pressing, Oh, I really want to go back to dress um, Mm -hmm. I think they could have maybe figured that out. Um, however, Matt also did a good job of kind of giving them again, not railroads, but like, the framework of like, okay, you could go here, but that's going to take just knowing the geography, it would take this many days, and like, here's how many days you have. Um, so I think it's just a nice combination of like Matt sort of guiding them and then also them being like, hey, like we're ready to move forward on this. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised 12 days and one episode. Um, and now they're arriving the day of, right?
0: I, ge- I guess I don't know because. I guess we really could kind of it could kind of like flex either direction a little bit, I think, because we've just been very vague about like two days till. So is that like two days till like the day and it happens at midnight type of thing? Or is it like I don't know, but I think so. They said the the final day of travel is where we left off. So like,
1: yeah, and I remember Matt, as the episode was ending, said something like as you bed down the night like of the final night or something. But it could have been the final night of travel, right? So um I think we're arriving I don't know actually. It's we it's either the day or the day before. One of the two, I guess. So my best understanding
0: uh, is that they're gonna get there and then like that night will be like the timing of the event or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah it is crazy that it and again with it being pre recorded to some extent they have an idea of how things are are I mean they don't in, in the moment obviously but the fact that, like I'm not saying they planned for this to land on episode 50 or anything but since they do have the foresight of pre-recording like I just wonder like what like what's going into this moment potentially and this this I'm kind of gonna sprout off in a, a different direction here there's so many things to talk about so
1: I no pre- I'm re- actually. I'm worried about like forgetting certain things because um, there are, I have like a ledger of like, yeah. okay, I want to talk about this, this, then, you know. Um, so,
0: let me rein it in and get to what I was saying. Like yeah. the fact that they can pre, they pre record and maybe could move certain things on the chessboard. I'm really wondering, especially with all the little EXU hints we got, if we are maybe going to get like after episode 50, we're switching to EXU Apogee Solstice for four weeks or, you know, something like that. Or just like what they could potentially have, because I mean, we still don't know like, what's going to chilled. happen with this solstice, <laughs> you know, like everything yeah. can be turned on its head. So like, what if I don't know, you know, I feel like anything could really happen post episode 50.
1: Yeah, I uh, got chills because I just envisioned going through another calamity esque miniseries. And, uh, you know, we didn't look back too fondly on ex. I wouldn't say not too fondly. I will forever have fond feelings for anything critical role related. But we weren't. It, it was no calamity. Season we, one, of EXU. yeah.
0: We we liked it, but we had our yes. our criticisms. Yes, and then and this, I think they were, yeah. And ahead. then especially if you then compare it to Calamity, which was just like one of the best things I've ever produced, then it you know it doesn't stand up that great. But yeah, for what it was, yeah. and especially now in hindsight, I think it's only getting better because like yes. back when we watched Exu, there were like fifty things set up. And so it felt kind of scattered, but now as those things are getting kind of like recontextualized based on what we know now, I feel yeah. like I can give it more of a break.
1: Matt's done a good job of tying in little details. Um, we had the seed uh, from Punk mm-hmm. that they got. Um, and so for our listeners who didn't want, and I think we'll do this a few times during this episode. Um, um, what I was going to do well was just kind of hit on a couple of these EXU callbacks that Matt yeah. kind of, you know, plot threaded, cleaned up. Um, so whenever they were towards the end of EXU season one, um, they stopped in this hidden city called Nirdal um, which was basically like per- hidden away, protected from like all the craziness of the world. And there was this Tetrarch, this person who was like the ruling person of the city who basically they were looking not for this person, but someone else who was also one of the ruling members who had left to investigate something crazy that was going to be happening. There, there's there's definitely like a theme of like, almost like ruidous, ill omen, like things are happening that keeps popping up mm-hmm. um, that I think even is subtly implied to be connected to now. All this to say, in their conversation with this Tetrarch, who is, um, how would you describe it? Almost like kind of like a, a sage or like a, didn't yeah. speak in riddles, but like clearly was like, there was like a clairvoyance piece to like it or something. kind of, yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, as they're leaving, the Tetrarch gives Orum this seed and basically says, like, keep it and protect it or something like that. And Orem then is like, what do I do with it? <laughs> and he's like, just, just hold on to it. Um, I don't think the how it was used was the original intention, per se, because um, of kind of like the emphasis that was put around it. But I love that Matt, called back to it as a means of Keyleth reaching out to him
0: yeah that's interesting I I wonder yeah that might be something that we could if if we remember maybe somebody can ask Matt in like the campaign wrap-up to to know if that was like always the plan or if he called an audible because yeah I think I'm more with you that I would lean towards it was more of an audible but I can't imagine but but on the same page I can't imagine that like Abrea would have would have given Orum that without some sort of idea for
1: it well I think Abria probably had and I don't want to get too like in the weeds and like EXU where it could have gone right right we know Abria set up plot threads for a potential season 2 which we never I mean th- they called Kaimal season 2 I think or something but we never got it though we never got the mini campaign so I think I think we still um, could, we though. We could, you're right. Yeah. But in my mind, some of these things were setups for things that could happen down the road. Um, and otherwise the, the mysteriousness around it doesn't make sense if it, in terms of what it became like, Oh, it's a message bloom. This is how someone will reach out to you if they need to get Mm -hmm. hold. of, like, you know, it's it. I love how Matt built it. I love how he described it. Like, yeah. you know, and and as FCG put it, Mer- Mercerian detail, <laughs> um, <laughs> but more eloquent, um, but yeah, this to me just felt like a nice little, like wrap up.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'd I'd say you're probably right on that. Um, I kind of I kind of sidetracked you. Were there other EXU things you were wanting to say?
1: Well, I I at some point I want to talk about EXU. Because
0: yeah should we just do it? I
1: mean we're yeah just gonna let's just jump. do it real let's just do it real quick, yeah. other than not to retread old ground of we've talked about um previous conversations, the ono plateau these these parts of other planes that were like popping up and appearing in um Exandria other mm-hmm. than that stuff um and you almost kind of said it, I'm wondering if they are setting up for a continuation of e x u um something's happening with opal i didn't finish kymal whoops um (laughs) so i don't i don't know how that ended and i don't know where what's going on with the crown keepers um but i'm just wondering like are we setting that up for we're about to get like you said a mini series or something coming right out of this
0: it feels like it feels like that was kind of a setup now does that that's not to say that we're gonna get EXU right after episode 50, but I do think we're going to pick back up with some of those characters, at least at some point, you know, cause a lot, a lot was, was made about Opal, but I mean, some of that could just be, you know, Liam and Ashley reacting and not like intentional seed planting by Matt. Um, but it did feel that way, you know, with like oh, Opal's getting real dark and things are hairy. Things are really tense. Um, it's just hard to to know what 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 side of the line you fall on. Is that just Matt fleshing out this living breathing world, or is that like an actual?
1: Yeah, that's that's nugget. fair. Um, and I could see it being just living, you know, fleshing out. Because we've talked about this apogee solstice, um, like what keeps kind of the Deus Ex Machina of like everyone coming to help. And I think you said it really well several episodes ago of like, well, there's probably a lot of things happening with this Apogee Solstice all over the place. Yeah. Stories that may get told, may not get told, but it was kind of nice them going through the list of people and each person kind of having like, you know, either I can't get there or like, I got, I got stuff going on on my own, like on my own. Um, You know, most notably Keyleth, um Yeah. But
0: which I want to, I do want to talk about Um, uh, but before we leave EXU entirely, it is, it is curious, like, because Opal was, I mean, not that she had, like, a direct line of communication and could just talk to Loth whenever, but, like, there was a channel of communication there, right? right. So, like, and this is something we've touched on, but, like, are the gods concerned with this plot that's happening, are they aware of it? Surely they're at least somewhat aware of it. So, like, could the Spider Queen be utilizing Opal to some end to try to put a stop to this as well? You know, if because assuming or seemingly they don't want Predathos to escape, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think that's kind of built the gods as not like the christian god more like the greek gods and that they're not omniscient they're not all-knowing um because i had the same thought with calamity it's like how could something so devastating be so unknown by the gods um i will say though in calamity it definitely seemed a lot more there was a lot more like subterfuge involved and Mm -hmm. then with the solstice we have like the you know bold attack on Terra that is happening by the um, Ruby Vanguard allies um, cult of the dark heart. Was that some
0: Ashari betrayers? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, I, with things being that much more pronounced, I would assume they're clear. Something's happening. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know.
0: I mean, that's a fair point about them not being just omniscient. So they don't just know. And I guess they have, they meaning lewdness, has kind of done a pretty good job of keeping it under wraps, like what exactly he's plotting, it seems like, because I think at one point this episode, they were the group was talking to maybe Hondir and being like, should we go alert Vasselheim so they can help us? And, and he was basically saying that might not be the best idea. But if Vasselheim doesn't know, then I guess the broader implication would be that most people don't know. So maybe you're right. It's just that the gods aren't aware of this plot. Yeah. Which would then it make make a bit more sense for
1: not again, I mean, not that
0: you have to nitpick every like right you know, aspect I mean,
1: of D D game. But if Pike's just like chilling out, you know, bacon bread or whatever, you know, as like yeah. a powerful super cleric, like you would think there'd be like a mobilizing of clerics, paladins, right. uh even warlocks, like mm. even people who work for their betrayer gods, like there would be something happening um, yeah. to stop this um so, yeah that, that's another good is.
0: point, so it seems like probably they just don't know or if they don't think it's maybe that credible if they do have any inkling of it mm-hmm. um, one other thing I wanted to talk about in e x u uh well, okay, never mind, I thought I had something, but then my mind went blank as soon as I said that, <laughs> so yeah, okay, I, maybe it'll come back to me um, but since we're basically right there adjacent to it, let's talk about Keyleth. yeah. I, this is something we've talked about multiple times. Like, are they just going to call in Vox Machina? Like, cause we don't like the power level seems yeah. too high for Bell's Hells, which I don't expect Vox Machina to show up, but Keyleth clearly is showing up at the very least. Um, yeah.
1: Which I love, by the way, yeah, this I didn't expect so freaking jazzed. Yeah. yeah. I, I wondered if I would feel like, come on, but I Keyleth coming with like who remains of this fight at Terra. I'm really excited about.
0: Yeah. And it just, I I know some people are probably tired of us retreading the same thing, so I don't want to, but it just, it makes me wonder like what exactly they're getting into. Cause it it seems like at least that they are going to meet up with Keyleth, meaning like she's going to be with them and not like a Keeleth's also here, but she's doing her own thing, which that maybe is what happens still. But for my money right now, it seems like like they're going to be together together. In which case, like what exact like, gonna have a level 20 druid with you like what what is and maybe they just i mean because then what are they gonna do like maybe they do have to be separated but
1: well no this this had to happen though like again not to retread this they are so freaking out of their league in terms of what they're coming up against like the dispel wave uh their strongest ally plane plane rider Ren, being petrified like they have they have literally no chance suicide mission so Mm -hmm. like they I think this has to happen. Um, I love that they brought, they grabbed Ira Windigoth too, the nightmare King. Like this is like, this is getting shaping up to be a pretty cool entourage. And we also talked about this last episode when they first fought the nightmare King, Matt as a DM will put in NPCs that can help swing the tide of battle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not surprised to see this happen and whether Keyleth is present for a majority of it or not. Um, I saw a Reddit comment that I thought as soon as I read it, I thought this makes a lot of sense to me that maybe Keyleth is wrapped up with lewdness and them battling. And we have a rematch, um, bells, hells versus Adahan thule. Yeah. Uh, and maybe even Liliana. And there's like a, you know, trying to convince Liliana to swap sides kind of thing. Um, I could totally, again, that's not me. Who's coming up with that. That was on Reddit. Um, but I think that's totally, a possibility
0: yeah yeah i'm just excited to see what kind of encounter matt builds because he's obviously so good at it like i can only imagine like just just trying to imagine an encounter that has like these massive heavy hitters in it as well as right. you know our level what level eight. even are they eight level party. eight. party yeah. um so i'm excited to see that uh, or i could see even though they are together maybe for one reason or another like things get fractured a bit. And so, like you said, maybe Keyleth and and lewdness are off doing their thing. It's actually got me kind of worried for Keyleth. Now that we're talking about this, because like.
1: If I'm Marisha Ray, I'm worried for sure. Because I mean,
0: it's, it's not as if, even though she is probably one of the most powerful people on the planet, it's not as if like, Oh, they win, you know, we got Keyleth. So, you know, like this is still like. Bad news bears. And this is something we touched on like wondering about like what exactly that attack on Zephra was for. Like what if they knew like Keyless going to be one of the main entities on this planet that we have to stop. And so like what if that was like a, a test run for how do we like, you know, we don't know what they were doing there, but like what if it was just like a let's get this information we need to get to like take her down. And It's so, like maybe they have like some Mm -hmm. ace in the hole to specifically deal with her or something.
1: I I got a question though, just to park there for a second because I mentioned this last episode and you were like, I don't think that's right. But then I read another Reddit comment on this. So I've read this a few times now and I don't know if I'm just misunderstanding. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I know Residuum comes from Whitestone, but what I've read is that Zephra like processes it or like mines it or not mines it, um, like like, uh, not mines it, uh, like work mineralizes it or something or does something with it. I don't know exactly what they do. Um, And so that's been mentioned a few times, which I mentioned that to you and you're like, I don't know if that's right. Is this ringing a bell or not in terms of like, um,
0: not really. So, okay. So residuum is again, I can't think of the word either, but like not distilled. That's not the right word, but like it's, it's created from white stone, which is, Right. Why Whitestone is called Whitestone is because it has Whitestone. Um, so it's entirely possible that, especially because of Keyleth and and her connection to Whitestone, um, that maybe Zephra is involved in some of the manufacturing of something using uh, Whitestone, aka residuum. Because I'm sure you know the Dorolos would have. Right you know, been okay with that setup. So yeah, I just I, don't know specifically what it would be if there is like a... Yeah,
1: I found it. So okay. um, uh, I say I found it, and now I can't find the exact... Um, hang on. Um, Kept secret from the rest of the village in Zephra, two of the mills refine Whitestone into Residuum, which is used to construct magic items and arm the Sky Dancers. Okay. Uh, so... There are mills that refine it into residuum. And then I, I remembered also the callback to exu. Remember also the nameless ones or the faceless ones. Nameless uh, ones. The nameless ones, yeah. When they found the um residuum. They yeah, they found the storehouse mm-hmm. and there was the residuum that Orm was like, they shouldn't have. This is from my people. And they wanted to take it to the nearest ashari which were the fire ashari right maybe that's residuum that was stolen from the mills whenever the attack attack on Keelith happened maybe it was a distraction to get that residuum then that they would ultimately bring us back to using for this big event i don't know yeah i mean yeah could totally be it um all I have to say about it other than just i think that's really high i don't even know what we we're talking about oh you, you were talking about <laughs> this it, it all this maybe has been building to this point of the attack on Keyleth and to now she's involved in this mm-hmm. potential fight we're going to have um i'm definitely nervous for her though yeah me
0: too and it seems like we know we know pike is at least is at least researching based on what um you know, FCG told her. Will she be in comunicado with Keyleth? I don't know. Can we expect Pike to maybe show up? And if Pike shows up, can we expect some of the Dorolos to show up since we know Pike is living in Whitestone? So seemingly she would pass the word on. Um, again, though, I just don't see like Vox Machina showing up to save the day. But again, maybe it's like this fractured encounter thing where like yeah. certain entities are taking. Bro, what if we got a freaking Vox Machina one shot? It was like what yeah. they're doing during oh, man, the, cool. uh, the solstice.
1: It would feel, I guess it feels a little cheap to have Vox Machina show up. And like, this was even mentioned the last time we went to Whitestone people were like, Oh, I don't want to see Vox Machina. It's not <laughs> their story, you know? And it's just like, just enjoy the journey. Yeah. I, I could, I could, I understand that criticism. I could see them showing up only because of the plot hole of the, if Keyleth is realizing like our paths are converging, we just got out of this fight, we lost a lot of our people, and now we're going to this site of the Apache solstice. She's not an idiot; she knows mm-hmm. this is, this is something big. Why wouldn't she call her friends and be like, "This is this is serious, guys. Like, we gotta go." Yeah. Uh, so, I, I just wouldn't be surprised to see more of Vox Machina there, which therein still makes me nervous even more like the more characters that show up the more nervous i am of people dying yeah yeah
0: true and uh i wouldn't obviously i wouldn't mind it if all if they showed up as long as it wasn't like we you know unless, as long as it didn't trivialize the whole thing which matt would never do so yeah, i think if they and it wasn't, yeah
1: if it wasn't Deus ex machina of like right. we're dying and you know, you see a skyship come in (laughs) box. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think if, if they do show up, there will be a good, cool reason for that. And it wouldn't just be a deuce ex machina, like you said. Um, and it would be awesome if we did get like a one shot where they came back, which I could, you know, capitalize on the success of the show right now. Like, you know, I don't know. I could see it, but I don't think it for anybody that, I mean, to each their own opinion, of course, um, of like this isn't their story, I think that's fair. And again, we're we're assuming not a weird sex mocking a thing. Um, I think it's fine. I think it again makes sense, like you said, like these these people. If this event really is reaching such a boiling point, like it would be weird for them to just stay at home.
1: Um, Our, uh, w- random question because I don't I'm not, I haven't quite followed even beyond part two for the mighty nine uh, there's no situation the mighty nine would show up right or like someone from the mighty nine because weren't certain people like their job was watching like the cerberus assembly like Bo or something or so uh, so shouldn't they show up and be like (laughs) we got you (laughs) we knew what you were up to lewdness
0: (laughs) so on well okay i'm gonna answer that but that reminded me of something i wanted to say and it's that also like this isn't just pure like like fan service because in campaign 2 like there was not even a whisper re- i mean there's basically no wi- like it's because campaign 2 was pretty self-contained in the sense of like it didn't reference things from you know like Keila he- didn't show up um so I, it's not like i like that they're kind of threading that into to campaign 3 that like i don't know i I'm rambling yeah. but anyway uh Yes, there is plausibility for Mighty 9 at least members of the Mighty 9 to show up because um Bo and Caleb are were both like investigating the Cerberus assembly and like that was like one of their top things on their like priority list. So you would have to imagine they at least have some inkling of what's going on if they're keeping an eye on
1: Ludinus. Well, yeah, I mean it's been Years even since part two, or is that what we're calling it? Part two, what, or what do you United, two? I guess. Oh, the uh, follow up campaign two, yeah. Campaign two's follow up that we watched. Oh. Um,
0: yeah, I think that that wasn't like present day campaign three, that was still like a couple years in the past. Yeah, so it's, probably, had, it's probably been like six or seven years,
1: so yeah, it's been several years. I'm just wondering. Bo, do you just suck at your job? Like, what (laughs) what's Bo been doing? And if Bo just doesn't show up, I'm like, Where where you at Bo? But maybe Cerberus Assembly has like again apogee solstice, their own machinations, even separate from lewdness, you know. So because we actually haven't had the Cerberus Assembly show up, right? Other than Lewdness, right? We have his group, his secret group, the Ruby Vanguard, the Paragon's Call, um, the uh exaltants and others uh of Ruidus. um yeah so
0: and recall that the cerberus assembly isn't like a like the avengers that's just kind of the name given to this like group of like four ish four or five people I think um so like the other members of the Cerberus Assembly probably don't know what lewdness is is yeah. doing but as far as Bo and Caleb and whoever else are concerned with hit with lewdness in particular being such a high priority i guess it, we can i guess this will speak to how well he's kept this secret you know right but you would think it would at least ping their radar somewhat even if they didn't know what he was doing
1: so just in the interest of time um because i still have a lot of things that i want to talk about yeah,
0: well, i feel like we just yeah. started but yeah we're like an yeah. hour deep
1: K- key um keith potentially coming confirmed Ira Windigoth involved. Yep. Maybe park here for a second. Yep. I love that we got a little bit more details, and Ira has gone from kind of like the coy whatever to I want to watch it all burn. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, seemingly fired, probably for being a big weirdo. You know, Ludus is probably like, I think we're good, man. You know. <laughs> and uh, so they have a very powerful ally in the form of Ira. Now, could Ira double-cross them during the encounter? Who's to say? But seemingly will be involved in some way with the Moontide crown. Yeah,
0: a vestige. Or wait. No. We don't know that it's... I about, I, yeah, I, No, it's not a vest. It could be, I guess, but I don't, we don't think it is. is.
1: I'm, And I think I'm crossing some things. because I feel like I remember Matt saying, not a vestige, but just a powerful artifact.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, you're, I was confusing it with the Spider Queen
1: crown. Yeah, but seeming seemingly that there is going to be a plan here of Ira suggesting to put the moontide crown in that in the new key or the uh um excavation site key to sort of overcharge it and destroy it who knows but all that to say Ira's involved now as an ally
0: yeah I think him double crossing them is almost like a- assured now what <laughs> what form that takes is up for debate like I'm not saying he's gonna necessarily like team up with lewdness but like I think he's definitely I- is gonna do something. Um, what I thought was interesting is that, and we don't know because we don't know the 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 insight check or what Matt whispered to Ashley, right. but you know, when she was like, Do you know who Pradatos is? He seemingly didn't, especially since Ashley then like lied about it and said, like, oh, it's a serial, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Which again, I- I'm just guessing, but that made me think whatever Matt whispered to her was like, Oh, he seemingly doesn't know what you're talking about.
1: I almost wonder if it was like, he doesn't know, but you can tell he's extremely interested now. Like what's happening here. And that Fern suddenly felt the need to be a bit more defensive. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's cereal. Yeah. (laughs) With like her 23 deception, (laughs) (laughs) which I, the way Matt responded, like, I'm really, I want to hear more about this. I didn't know if he was being like, you've, you convinced him or, like we, Ira, you know, has a little bit of a silver tongue. I wonder if even a 23 wasn't enough to
0: deceive yeah. him. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm very curious as to what that wild card is going to do, but I think it's going to be something. Um, but I, I did think it was at least interesting, again, if we can take at face value the fact that he didn't know, maybe he was, you know, has that real high insight or deception. And he does know, but if he doesn't, that makes me even more curious as to what he can mm-hmm. maybe do here. She's right. very like Joker energy. Just wants to like watch the world burn. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I'm just going to start scrolling down my yeah. list here unless there was, yeah, more I, you got, to I got mine
1: too. No. Yeah. Uh,
0: real quick. And I should have just looked this up, but I didn't and I can, but can you remind me who Esmer is? Do you know
1: Esmer? Esmer is the, I think the person in Basra's who's who knows Ashton is that Esmer.
0: Uh, Sam is the one that brought him up. So FCG, which means it probably is connected to Ashton. But he just he said like say hi to Esmer or like I think it was when he was messaging dancer. He was like tell Esmer oh, he, to stay safe too or something.
1: Was Esmer the person that the woman who's kind of rugged? who they had first run into and then had said like dancer had come through town or I something. So.
0: Yeah. Esmer is an explosives um, manufacturer operating a black powder business in Basra's. So is that who you're talking about?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I guess. Okay. Then yeah, never mind. I just wanted to make sure I knew who that was when he said that. Cause I, like the name sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it.
1: Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting though, that FCG sent that message, like stay safe. Cause dancers already been like, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> So, and also his message to D too was so cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think we've talked about this, but I'm pretty almost like almost 100 percent sure that D is this Devexian that we've talked about that showed up in Campaign Two. That was a salvaged Aormaton himself. That you know right. then said like I want to go help my people. So it, mm-hmm. it all it all kind of makes sense for it to be him. I haven't gone back and like looked at the voice from Campaign 2 to see if it matched what Matt did here. I guess that would be a pretty good way to confirm. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if we will... If we'll see or hear more from him ever.
1: Well, and also his line, there's going to be many more to come, which... Yeah. I was like, where's that going?
0: Which, sort of a segue into these Aeormatons that are at the excavation site. Uh, yeah. They were, like, modernized a bit, like he mentioned. Like, yeah. they, Aeormaton, think- but...
1: Yeah, he's he was very clear to say like they were like large egg like, a reminiscent Aorian technology that had been modernized, and he even said like this is a modern machine or something like that. Um, so who's doing that?
0: Who's building these? You know,
1: like maybe Ludinus says if he's from Aeor. Yeah,
0: that's what I was wondering. Like, is it they? salvage some of this themselves from his own excavation teams there. Did he buy parts from D? Um, But yeah, I was was very curious as to, to learn more about who kind of is behind that. If, if, if not Ludinus, maybe it is him. Well,
1: I mean, we know also, I mean, it could be buying from D, but we know also that Gianna, Gianna Hexum had a large golem stolen from her.
0: That's true. It was a
1: bounty for 10,000 gold. That's true. So that Cyrus one was of these, framed for, right? Right. Maybe one of these was, maybe these have all been being shipped around yeah. and one of these was stolen.
0: I could see that. And then like they upgraded with Aorian technology or something like. Yeah. yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, Okay. They're just kind of a, uh, an umbrella to encapsulate all of the good convos we got this episode, um, but just specifically the the Ashton Laudna convo was oh so good, and oh I love gosh. that Marisha like kind of flipped it on Ashton a bit, you know, because he was kind of like one-upping the trauma, being like, you know, I you don't like I know true loneliness, and she was like, hey, you know, wait a minute, like, yeah, I spent two decades alone, um, right. And I liked that he kind of like didn't have an answer for that. So that was just, I loved that whole conversation.
1: Um, The combo was awesome. And. Sometimes players like say something that you're just like, have you been sitting on that for a while? Or was that just like (laughs) a stroke of pure genius? Yeah. But I love Ashton, his line of, I want to know what it felt like when you woke up and everyone was, all your friends were there. Like that was so compelling to me. Um, And just speaks to. You know, Ashton, bro, I know I say this, but everybody, one of my favorite characters, though, <laughs> just because of the complexity of his character, like I just think about like how he's positioned when he was first introduced with the just don't um, jacket and just like, you know, I kind of just envision as like the whatever I don't care, you know, but this person, you see such a softness to him. I think about the the homeless person, maybe that they were going to rob and he was like, don't yeah. do that. And then um,
0: we never take copper. I think was like the line or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's there's been so so many moments of like empathy and intentionality from him. That mixed with um, the fact that he's always hurting physically, asking Ladna that question to me reveals that emotionally he's hurting. I, I just, I just, I think Ashton has played this like beautifully complex and awesome character. Um, it's, it's one of my favorites. I mean, he's just so good.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was great. And, uh, I even like that we got kind of the, the insight into why Ashton was even with them, just because, you know, the thought process being like, well, if I help them, maybe I can then get them to help me with his Hishari thing. Um, which we didn't really get any new information there, but that is, I don't know. We know that there that is what Ashton is interested in in probing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't know. I guess with with so much to talk about since we didn't actually get really new info there, maybe we could push that on pause for another time unless there's anything yeah. you wanted to specifically say about it.
1: No, I just thought it was such a great conversation that it was worth
0: 100%. A 100%. Um, <clears throat> The, uh other
1: conversations the
0: fern and orum basically like yeah <laughs> you know plan our kill shot <laughs> yeah which i thought was it's kind of crazy but like it makes sense you know especially given how orum has twice now had to remind her with those comments being like well you know they killed my family though
1: yeah.
0: um I'm sure this is like on his mind you know he probably is like I may need to have a contingency plan in place which you yeah, didn't.
1: I, I think there's something here of the party's been so on point in terms of like clear mind. I love the back and forth through this whole episode of like, are you know, is Ruby are the Ruby Vanguard? Are they the baddies? Are they not? Should we do this? Should we not? Um, I think it's really interesting that it does seem like we're maybe potentially heading to a crossroads where there is no situation I don't think where Orum like lets this go. Like, I think he has honed in on solid on it's 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 me or them in terms of the Ruby Vanguard. Meanwhile, we have Imogen, who is really curious about fate and doesn't really seem so bad. And her mom is highly engaged with them. So or one of them. I wonder if we could see a little party split, a little Civil War action. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I'd be interesting to see what that even looked like, but yeah, I really liked that glimpse into Orem's character because he's very much the 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 paragon of of justice in a lot of ways. You would think that he would never consider that about his friends, but like, no, he literally ha- it made the contingency plan to like kill Imogen essentially. Yeah, um,
1: and he is paragon of justice, the ultimate like I think moral integritous person of the group and even him to imogen later i i don't know your take on it but you know i'm not worried about imogen like are you being honest like of course i wouldn't lie to you you know i just kind of thought i don't know it kind of feels like a lie yeah
0: i I was gonna bring that up too i think he was lying i mean yeah he, he i mean unless he had a quick change of heart or something but he almost assuredly was lying right which uh i don't i Not to call into question anything else Orem has done, like he's secretly been lying all along. uh, No, but I just think, again, it adds a depth to his character that he is capable of. Of that lie, Um, you know, it just makes him all the more interesting to me. And speaking of the potential civil war, let's call it um, an interesting facet to that would be that, like if it did, let's say it did like actually come down to like a moment like that is is Liam actually going to like you know I don't know if we if we would actually reach the point of like truly that happening with like a an intent to kill, but you know who would his sister that he specifically brought up like oh yes, you know like <laughs> so right. what if what if that dynamic was there and like Orem had to yeah. like get between them or something like that could be crazy
1: I love how we're almost fifty episodes deep and we're still getting like. You could see when he mentioned the sister, everyone was kind of like, wait, who is this person? Yeah. But technically I mean,
0: sister-in-law. Um, yeah. But he just said sister, but yeah.
1: If we did have some kind of civil war, we would have Fern and Orm together, Laudna and Imogen, and then we'd have to see wherever Ashton went, FCG would probably go too. And then Travis, I think, you know, I think Chetney's a toss up, but I just had this thought of like Imogen being like, but she's my mom. And Orm being like, so was I. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense to this. Like a, uh,
0: what was that? Uh, the That's in, Civil in Cap.
1: War? Yeah, yeah Cap's like to- about Bucky. He's my friend. And Iron Man's like, so was I. <laughs> so I won't get that line. You never but, know. You never know. them yeah.
0: kind of is like Captain America.
1: And he is like the dad of the group. True. So, you know. Okay.
0: Um, uh, the only other convo, obviously, was the, the Lotna image in one which is not like too much to like really dissect there but that was just you know a long time coming for them to kind of have that heart to heart ever since she ever since laudna died um yeah it was just kind of it was good and kind of cathartic and
1: and reasserted how good of friends they are so (laughs) they did i mean so
0: they said they love you like they said i mean that was pretty much a declaration of love but it wasn't like
1: i think one says i love you more than anything or something.
0: And you're uh, my tether was such a great line, um,
1: yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
0: all that being said, though, it it didn't feel like I don't know how to exactly say this, but there's kind of been this 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 air of will they won't they? And like, oh, you should tell her how you feel. You should t- like there's kind of been that energy the whole campaign. But in in this moment, it didn't feel like a a revelation. It just felt like two people really expressing what the other meant to them, but not in a like, oh, my God, like, you feel that way? Like, I didn't, you know, I've been wondering. So I didn't know, like, I didn't know exactly how to parse it. Like, are they now like, was that that moment still? And like, they like, you know, or was it more of just a like. I don't even know how to express what I'm really trying to say. But. No, I think
1: it's a really great question. Cause there definitely wasn't like a, no, I, I like, like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but I, I think even though it wasn't like overt, it was still like, for me, so beautiful of like them just fully embracing. Like I think Laudna said it, very well like our love transcends one another or something like that like we yeah. transcend what's happening here Um which was so powerful and full mm-hmm. and so even if even though we didn't get like a aha moment I think I just kind of envision them both like just fully embracing this deep soul bond is what it feels like they have with one another um which makes me all the more worried that <laughs> yeah something's going to happen. I will say, Lana did get that constitution necklace, which is yeah. great. Thank goodness. But, but yeah. They dropped
0: 14,000 gold. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And they did something I think we talked about in a previous episode was, you know, these an item that could maybe help cloak them in terms of Odahan or whoever being able to like dream scry on them. And that right. one item they got, seems to do that but it's just for one person so like yeah maybe if Imogen wears it she since, took it yeah so it may be like, maybe like I since think. Imogen is like the exultant the rude is born like maybe yeah. Odahan can't dream scry on anyone else in the group as well yeah. at least I don't know but I just don't um, know how much only one of them having something like that really helps
1: yeah I I do have to we do have to wrap up here pretty soon um Liliana that I love that we finally got kind of her point of view in the sense of like, I think some people were maybe like a bit hopelessly tugging at like, um, she's like an unwilling hostage or Mm. willing hostage, I guess is the phrasing, but finally getting able to talk to her directly, remembering that she's been with these people for however many years for her to say like, no, this is what's right. It it just confirmed to me, like, I don't think they're going to flip her so much. Like, oh wait, this is a bad idea, but maybe potentially she will choose Imogen over the plan, but in my mind, submitted Liliana as one of the baddies. Um, Different levels of badness, obviously, but again, not like a a willing hostage.
0: Yeah, she seems to be pretty bought into this whole thing, which, I'm glad you brought this up, because I wrote something down, and this is just like my notes I'm on my phone, so I don't know, like I don't exactly remember the context, but I wrote down um, something that Liliana said that was like, "Remember what it used to be like to be free." And so, like, I didn't know what that meant. Remember what it used to be like, because none of them would have been. I mean, there never was a time without gods, as far as this world is concerned. So I was wondering, is that like a almost like a like a metaphor for like before you were born, like death? Like, remember what it was like before you were. Bound with all this these mortal yeah i don't know troubles and so like if we remove the gods i don't know not not to say that she was literally talking about like dying to be set free but like it just made me think of that of like yeah. kind of like a fanatical cultist way of thinking of like it can be i don't know i'm not even yeah. making
1: sense but- no no yeah i mean she was very convincing like this is, it's going to be great to the point of image being like yeah, I think this is actually a good thing, and that's yeah. when Oral was like, "All right, my whole family died." Um, <laughs> anyway, two other things I want to ask you about: the Phoenix and then the Dark Hearts plan under Terra. Yeah, um, just the Phoenix. I just thought was an awesome penalty for the like the third natural one or yeah. whatever. And just I was thinking like, what are they gonna do? It also, I think it was also when the front half of the ship had been ripped off or something, or. Yeah, they, it was they, a different day they were or, struggling for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, are we gonna have like a six-hour episode? But <laughs> I love the polymorph to, you know, whoosh, you know, mm-hmm. float it away. Yeah. Um, so and then the other thing, I just was curious your thoughts on what Vareo and the Dark were trying to do under Terra. Because I think Keila said like they had restabilized the Rift. The Rift, yeah. Well, what one thing on
0: the Phoenix real okay. quick is that I was wondering if like I mean, we, we I guess we never, uh, I guess regardless of what it, like if it's literally a Phoenix or not, it's kind of beside the point, but I was wondering if like this creature was like morphed or awakened or something by the ley line yeah. energy, or if it was just, Hey, they rolled a, a, this on the encounter table and they need to fight something. So maybe, maybe it's not worth reading into further than that. Um, but yeah, so I was wondering that yeah. if there was more to that. Yeah. Um, but on to the Ashari thing. Um, I thought it was interesting that we got the literal connection of Vareo shouting like for the Vanguard or whatever. So like right. he directly is tied to Ludinus for sure. Um, and the Rift, again, we know about this. The The planes are converging. So that is very relevant, for lack of a better word, to all the Ashari tribes. Um, are they trying to utilize energy down there? Are they trying to summon elemental Behemoths. I, I don't know. Like, I, it's just, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I. But it also makes me think of the initial attack on Zephra too. Like, were they planning something with the the air rift
1: as yeah. well? Or we we know the Primordials fought with the Betrayers against the Prime Deities. We know in Exu another callback that in Nierdal pak there is phrasing around something big is coming. With the Ono oh Plateau, there's phrasing about something in the fire planes trying to press through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had theories around like, what could that be? We now have the Dark Heart trying to destabilize the Rift. Could they be trying to bring in, I just thought when you said behemoths, like primordial-esque allies? Like once the, once Pradathos is free and presumably the Divine Gate is broken, maybe? Do they want to have like Soldiers, primordial like soldiers who can fight in this battle. I mean, because obviously the DDs aren't going to just like sit around I and mean, it's going to be all out war, like calamity, right? I mean, fighting against Pradathos and the revango I mean, I don't know. I just,
0: yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Because another thing we've talked about is like, is the main divine gate coming down, right? Or like, can Prodothos just go through it and get to the gods where they are, or is like all hell going to break loose on Xandria? It's a well, good question.
1: And presumably, we know Raushan and Kamort were destroyed, but the uh, the uh, king and queen—I don't know—but uh, of Earth and Fire, those are the two planes that have been mentioned. So, could we get like their kiddos? You know, they're pushing through. Hey, we want to—they weren't sealed away. So, um, I don't know. I'm just—I'm really interested. Um, I could see like Primordials being like. Everything was good till any god came, and like we just want to help be done with all of them. So,
0: yeah, I mean, could be, and I think the and it may and it could be just pure like power or energy required for what they're doing, right? Because we know right. Bria described the Ono Plateau as like untapped potential, so like right. maybe they're trying to utilize this energy from the other planets right. to help,
1: yeah, you know, I don't know. Right. Unfortunately, my wife is, is waving me down because <laughs> <laughs> she's got somewhere to be. Uh, yeah. One last theory for me. I want you just to sit on it for a little bit. Are we heading towards a, in case of emergency, break glass, self-sacrifice from FCG? Mm. We've We've had mentions of this power inside of him that could just destroy like an atomic bomb. And then it dawned on me whenever Ashton was basically saying like, I have this friend who keeps trying to sacrifice himself. He keeps trying to get himself killed. Like I keep trying to stop him. And FG is always the one whenever there's like a barter or a trade, like, yeah, you can take me, you can have me. It's fine. And so I can just see all out of options, no chances left, nothing to do. How do you destroy the Malleus key and him in a final flash Vegeta type moment, (laughs) like get everyone out of here boom I don't know man that's something yeah. that I'm wondering can genuinely happen in the next two episodes
0: yeah and I mean not to mention the the kamikaze airship that they're building like somebody may have to go down with the ship to make that go off too but yeah, yeah.
1: all right uh I hope we I know we, we have still some things on your list um unfortunately we got to wrap up um let us know your thoughts and theories I love this episode there's so many things to talk about uh let's do a quick a quick thumbnail
0: yeah uh i don't i don't know just like uh, i don't know
1: (laughs) um maybe just kind of we can just do an emotion i guess i'm gonna do like like oh you know i don't know
0: okay i'll maybe do like one day left
1: yes okay yeah i like that okay All right, guys, we'll catch you later. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and on the podcast. And again, let us know what you thought about the episode. We'll see you later.
0: Bye, y'all.